Thanks for tuning in to LGN Radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Job Search Guide, a show where we get tips and tricks from experts on how you can land your next job. Today's topic is overcoming entry-level experience requirements, and we'll be talking with expert Deborah Humitska, a senior career specialist at Alverno College, about how job seekers can boost their professional experience through joining professional groups and volunteering. Now, before we explore today's topic, why don't you describe your experience related to this topic as well as your role at Alverno College, Deborah? Well, Katie, for the past 27 years, I've been teaching career education courses and doing college career counseling at Alverno College. And as you mentioned, I'm the senior career specialist and adjunct career education faculty member. Awesome. So as a faculty member, what kind of classes are you teaching? Are they career related or? Absolutely. I teach a freshman course called pre-professional seminar that okay. helps first-year students think about their careering and what they want to do with their college education and select a major. I teach a course in the business program, School of Business, for seniors who are getting ready to take their education and market it to career to, for their career choices. And I teach a career counseling course in the Masters of Community Counseling uh, class as well. Okay, so how does um, your teaching role kind of roll into being a uh, senior career specialist at Alverno? Well, as a senior career specialist, it's my job to know what the trends are to keep current on different ways that people getting are getting jobs, where the market is, what the fee schedules are, et cetera. And at Alverno, we incorporate that right into the education process. So the students really are preparing for their career from the time they start here. Okay. So that's how I connect the two of them together. Awesome. To dive right into things now, why is it important for college students and job seekers at the entry-level stage to find ways to get as much experience as they can in their industry? Well, for the student, experience such as internships or volunteer activities have many positive strengths. Mm-hmm. First, they allow the, the student to try out careers they think they might like. Often mm-hmm. their information on careers comes from TV or from limited knowledge about the career. Okay. And the opportunity to do an internship or do volunteer experience is really to see, is my perception of this career anything like the reality of doing it every day? Okay. It's also important because if a student does some of this kind of work, volunteer or internship type experiences, and it's not a good match, they can determine what works for them, what doesn't work for them, and build a plan B or a plan C or even a plan D prior to graduation. This is um, Learning about this themselves is not a failure. It's not something that's a bad thing. It's something that's really good to learn about yourself and your skills prior to getting hired by that first employer. And if it's a good match, this is the positive side of that. If they are doing an internship activity or a volunteer activity and it is a terrific match, they have the opportunity to build connections, to gain mentors, and to have real work experience in their field of choice before they ever graduate from college. So there's a lot that college students can do to kind of like boost themselves. So one, mm-hmm. like after they graduate, they have a network in place, the people that they mm-hmm. can contact and ask, you know, hey, do you know anyone that's hiring? Right. And to a future, let me just add to a future employer, mm-hmm. this experience is so important because on a resume, it is proof that the job applicant is truly interested in working in the field, not just studying about it. When people just go to classes, take their classes, get their degree, 
and they don't, haven't done any work in the field, it doesn't reinforce the idea to the employer they're truly passionate. So this is really good for the employer. And when there are many entry-level candidates to choose from, Mm-hmm. Those with the relevant experience are the ones that stand out. Of course. So where can college students and job seekers go to find different clubs, professional organizations, or volunteer opportunities, things that differ more from like the typical internship that most people get? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing is bloom where you're planted. Okay. They're on campus. You're on campus. Look around. Every brick-and-mortar campus that I'm aware of mm-hmm. has organizations that reflect the broad interests of the students who go to school there. So there are academic organizations. And of course, I've been at El Verno, so I can cite some of the things that are here, but all colleges have these things. Okay. We have a music therapy club for students who are music therapy majors. There's a Black Student Nurse Association. So there are things that are related to the academic programs the student is in. There are also professional organizations. For example, PSE is a, Pi Sigma Epsilon is mm-hmm. a national um, organization for students who are marketing majors. SHRM, Society for Human Resource Manager, Management, exists for students who are thinking about going into HR. Okay. So you've got professional organizations. Then there are also service or interest organizations that uh, pers- where a person can develop skill, take on leadership, and again, get connected with some of the things that they have a, a strong interest in. That would be things like Circle K, the Gay Straight Alliance, activities related to Habitat for Humanity, any of those kinds of things. And then in many colleges, there's Greek life, the fraternities and sororities, all of which give people an opportunity to develop leadership skills. So on campus is the very first thing to take a look at in terms of organizations. But they're also good places for a student to look at leadership within that campus community. Okay. So student government, getting involved with student government. If your campus has dormitories to maybe Mm -hmm. become a resident assistant or to do programming in the dormitories, sometimes there are leadership for short-term things like orientation of new students or faculty, visiting faculty, student assistants. And those are good places. Even if you have limited time, that might just be for one or two events that would build your resume and build your confidence. Mm -hmm. And of course, off campus, there are plenty of things people could take a look at. You can look for what what I would suggest students do is look for activities related to their major that are in things that they may already be involved in. So let's say a student has a, a strong spiritual life, is involved with a church or a synagogue or a mosque, and they're a history major. They might want to work on the history of that church. Okay. That would help develop their skills, apply their skills from classes into a tangible document they could use for a future job. If you're a communication major or an English major or writing major, it could be you could write a bulletin for the Girl Scout troop your sister is in, or you could be a treasurer for a community organization. Any of those kinds of things, scouting, teen programming, ethnic organizations, performance organizations like community theater, all of those provide opportunities for a student to get involved and build on his or her skill sets being taught in the major. 
And you mentioned some professional organizations like SHRM, for example, for mm-hmm. you know HR people. Is that only for students or can, you know, people who've already graduated, could they go back and join that organization to kind of boost up their, you know, HR experience? That's interesting. Some of them are more flexible. If you have an interest in the field, you can become a member. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of professional organizations allow folks to do that. So I would suggest that a student or a new grad who is interested in in picking up a connection with that, check their websites or contact a, a member and ask about that. Lots of times people who are interested can belong. American Society of Training and Development is one of those kinds of organizations um, where folks who are in related fields can know what's happening in training and development. Mm -hmm. And are there any fees associated with these clubs or organizations that anyone would have to pay for joining? Professional organizations like SHRM or some of those at the professional level usually require um, an annual membership fee. Mm -hmm. Um, Fraternities and sororities often have uh, initiation fees that go with that. Right. But many of the college clubs do not. Mm-hmm. They get their money for the programming that they want to do by fundraisers or other activities. So many of the academically focused clubs don't have anything that they charge people for uh, membership, but they may ask you to help with fundraising. And in some organizations, um, there was a uh, enactus was formerly known as SIFE, Students in Free Enterprise. Okay. And they have a national, regional national competition. So if you're involved there, you might be paying something to go to those competitions or raising money to go to those competitions. But remember that many organizations, including the professional organizations, may have reduced fee for students or your membership may entitle you to apply for scholarships that can help pay for college education. Okay, well, that's a really good tip, something to look forward to, like if you're considering going back to college, maybe join a professional Mm -hmm. organization and see if there's any scholarships available. It's great. So we've talked about two different kinds of organizations. We have like the college groups, and then we have, um, you know, not say organizations, but we have volunteer opportunities. There's obviously different benefits for doing each of those. Could you kind of just touch on one or two benefits for each of them? Actually, they share, they share in common. What they have in common is any of those activities, if a person chooses a leadership role or chooses to get involved in subcommittees mm-hmm. related to his or her interest, they develop skills that you can put on your resume. Okay. The, the big difference between the, the community organizations and the campus organizations is that campus organizations always have a faculty mentor, okay. a faculty person who oversees and assists the students there. So the advantage to a faculty or to a campus organization is you develop a relationship with a faculty member who in the future, you may in fact be asking for a reference. Right. And a person can write a strong reference when they have seen you in action, Mm -hmm. not just in the paper you handed in, but in your leadership role with the group. So the advantage there is that the faculty get to see you doing your stuff. Mm-hmm. And the faculty also are the people who employers often connect with and saying, I have a position. Do you have any majors? Do you have any students who are interested in? And when faculty know students, they're able to broadcast that and, and let people know about the opportunities. So that's the advantage to the school ones. 
the advantage to the community ones is that you get to make a broader uh, range of connections, people who are outside of your discipline. And a lot of times, your discipline, your academic studies, you're a business major, you can do business in a variety of areas. So meeting people who might be having small businesses and a small local jewelry store, and you're an accounting major, mm-hmm. might be that that could be a place you might have as an accounting client. Okay. So they have, they both have really good benefits. It's just where a student might want to begin or where what your career path might be that will lead you to a good fit. Well, speaking of career paths, um, we've become increasingly technological and a lot of our lives are spent online. Is there any way that you can kind of transfer, um, you know, groups and organizations that you would join in person to joining a group or organization online? Are any of those available for students or recent grads? Katie, that's a really good question. (laughs) And I'm not sure I have a, a good answer for you because Personally and professionally, I'm very Mm face-to-face. However, there may be some things for specialized skills. For example, there might be something where you're helping, if you speak a foreign language and read and write quite well in that language, where you might be doing translating, Mm -hmm. and that could be done online. The primary things that are easy to do online is if you have a technical major and you might be helping a club put together a website or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it is an interesting because I wouldn't be surprised if it starts to grow. Right. There's, um, um, but in terms of actual leadership roles and some of those things, it's still pretty much a face-to-face world. Face-to-face. Okay. Mm-hmm. You spoke about different industries, and obviously technology is very online, but there's other industries where you're more face-to-face. And are there any particular industries where gaining this kind of face-to-face experience by volunteering and joining clubs would be extremely beneficial in the long run? I can't think of any career in which a volunteer club experience would not be beneficial. Right. However, if your interest is to go into sales, mm-hmm. primarily, that is a face-to-face building, listening, developing all kinds of skills that will enable you to really listen and hear and understand your client. Mm-hmm. So that would be one career that immediately stands out as having face-to-face contact is important. It's the same thing if you wanted to go into use your psych degree uh, or sociology degree or anthropology degree to go into anything that was going to be working with people. Then it's absolutely essential if you're going to work with people that you work with people at right. some point. So it makes um, those, those fields really will look at this. If you want to be a counselor and you haven't done peer counseling or uh, worked in a, with teens or something like that, it's going to be hard to convince a future employer that you really want to talk to people. So those areas are really um, important, but it is important for everybody. The market's better, but it's still tough. Right. So I have, I have two words for those who are sitting on the fence mm-hmm. about getting involved. My two words are do it. <laughs> Obviously. Go and do it. <laughs> right. Sometimes there's more introverted people and then there's extroverted mm-hmm. people. How can those introverts kind of break out of their shell to actually go out there and do it and gain the confidence that they need to interact with people face-to-face when that's not necessarily where their comfort zone lies? I really like this question, Katie, because for those of us who tend to be very extroverted, mm-hmm. it, it can be overwhelming. We you know that an introverted person thinks, what does this mean for me? 
an introverted person can find a role and find a niche building on that very strength, mm-hmm. not being the person who does the presentation, the person who organizes or markets the presentation, designs the flyers, the, not the person who chairs the organization's meetings, but the person who handles the finances, mm-hmm. accounting majors, for example. Right. Their, their spot would be great to be working on budgets things that a lot of extroverts in general do not care to do. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the kinds of persons who can make the detailed arrangements, all of which play to their skill set. So every organization has the people who are out front, people who are the spokesfolks. But to make an organization effective, you have to have the people who do the organization. And that's often a skill that introverts have. Mm-hmm. And so I would suggest what they do is look at that so they don't, because people will be happy to have turn that over to them. Exactly. I know I sure would be able to, like, very happy to turn over an accounting position to anyone. who <laughs> Math is not good. <laughs> exactly. And there are people who are big picture folks. Mm-hmm. They, they can see, here's our plan. Let's do this big event and we'll get all these folks in place. And they need the introvert type, usually an organizational type, mm-hmm. to say, here are, the, here are the steps. Here's the process. Here's the checklist to keep them on task. A lot of creative people are very good at coming up with ideas, but they need some assistance in creating that timeline right. or they need the time alone to design things. Mm-hmm. And that's often a really strong, a good place for an introvert to be. Introverts feel outnumbered and they are. Statistically, they're they're outnumbered by 75%. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's a, there's some research that indicates that 25% of American population tend to be introverted. Mm-hmm. But we need their contributions. I'm really glad I asked that question. That's really great. <laughs> so in relation to this subject of, you know, getting out there and joining clubs and volunteering, you, gave, you already gave a really good tip, which is to just do it. Are there any other pieces of advice that you could give to job seekers and college students to really help themselves with applying this to landing a new job or a new career? Absolutely. I would just like to make this one large reminder to every college student who hasn't had a full-time career already, and that's that going to work is not the same as being a student. Right. In class, you wait for the next assignment, you get feedback, you move on in a very stepwise place. In the world of work, in the professional career for which any college student is being prepared, they're going to be expected to initiate rather than wait for work to be assigned. So what I suggest is if any, any listener says, this is the field I want to be in, be in the field. Okay. Do something that gets you starting to do the field. Not everyone takes an internship. Um, Many schools, they take internships for credit and you have to wait until you're a junior or a senior student. Mm -hmm. I strongly encourage people to do internships prior to that. The more experience you have, the better your resume, the better that you can present yourself to other folks. So my, my first thing is, if you want to be this, be it. If you want to be a musician, audition. If you want to be an accountant, find some way to practice your accounting skills. Nothing turns off an interviewer as someone saying, they say, what professional organizations do you belong to? And the person says, nothing because I've been too busy. Because mm-hmm. every other graduate is as equally as busy. And that separates the 
really dedicated people from the folks who got a degree. Mm-hmm. The next thing is when people do whatever it is that they're doing that's related to their field, keep track of what you do and what you accomplished or what you learned. Okay. I have a, a master's degree in history, and I always like to say that every applicant, every student I work with has to be an expert on his or her own history. There is nothing sadder than leaving an interview for a job you really wanted, stopping on the way at Starbucks or wherever you like to get a treat, and then mm-hmm. saying, I should have told them about. So keep track of all of these things so that you can remember, so you can develop a portfolio, so you have samples, so that you can cite, yes, I did this writing piece and it was published in a newsletter that went to 200 people. Just really important. Mm -hmm. So obviously, I'm a big believer in keeping samples. There's that old saying that a picture is worth a thousand words. A thousand words, words, yep. Right. Everyone knows this. And so when you say, I designed a brochure, I don't know if it was amateur looking or really professional. Mm -hmm. If you can give me an example of that, if you can give me an example of your class lesson plan, if you're an education major or worksheets that you've done, I can, as a hirer, I can really take a good look at your skills and ask you more questions. So keep your samples. And I have one last tip to this. And that is your mom and dad were right. You need to say thank you and you need to say it in writing. Mm -hmm. So if someone helps you, you, um, someone gives you an opportunity to take on a project, meets you at a professional organization, someone makes a connection for you, say, I have nothing for you, but I suggest you contact so-and-so at this company. Mm -hmm. If someone is willing to sit down and, and give advice to you, a half hour's worth of advice from a professional person is not only worth a lot of money, what that person would have been making mm-hmm. if he or she had been doing her job, but it is worth gold to you. It is really important not to think, oh, they're just nice people and, and it's my due because I'm a college student. You need to, to stand out. You can stand out by just being grateful. Sending a handwritten note on stationery is almost a lost art. And I know that mm-hmm. when I get something handwritten, I share it with my boss. <laughs> I share it with <laughs> I share it with with my colleagues because this is maybe we don't have something for this person in the future, but mm-hmm. we know this person understands that businesses is all about saying thank you. Thank you to your stockholders, thank you to your purchasers, whatever it is. If you want to stand out, send a note that says thank you. All right. So just to recap some of the tips that you were giving, the first is to just do it, just to get out there. And if it's what you want to do, then do it. And then to obviously keep track of the things that you've done. So when you go to interviews, you can say, well, I did A, B, and C, and this was the result of A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And then to wrap things up, you say thank you with a personalized thank you card in the mail, and that will just really make you stand out from everyone else. It really will. And if you have, if you're interviewing with someone who has a name like mine, which is Homitska and is not spelled anything like it's, like it's pronounced, mm-hmm. and you get the spelling right, that also makes you stand out. <laughs> my business cards even have how to pronounce my name on it. Take the tip and go with that. All right, everyone. That's it today on Job Search Guide. Thank you for joining us and sharing your expert advice, Deborah. We really do appreciate it. 
Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to ljnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, email me at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm Katie Chesney with LGN Radio, and I'll see you next time.